Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome to the Inner Life here for this Tuesday, Tuesday of the 16th week in Ordinary Time. And uh, boy, <laughs> the month of July just keeps moving forward, uh, maybe a little faster than I wanted. I don't know how you feel about that. But uh, yeah, I I would like these summer months to stretch out a little bit more. But I think last year with COVID, the summer months stretched out longer than I wanted. And uh, so maybe it's just the enjoyment of being able to be out a little bit more this year that's made it where the summer just seems to be zipping by. Well, as we begin our program today, let me ask you, what comes to mind for you when you think of someone who is poor, someone who lives in poverty? Does that mean someone living in a rundown house or renting kind of a shabby small apartment or maybe a trailer in a not so desirable part of town? Do you think of someone who doesn't know where their next meal will come from? What else comes to mind? Do you maybe consider yourself to be living in poverty? Here in the U.S., according to the United States Census Bureau, about 10% of all U.S. residents live below the poverty line. That's one out of 10. In some states, like New Mexico, Louisiana, Mississippi, the rate is almost double of the national average. About one out of every five people there living in poverty. How does the U.S. define what it means to live in poverty? Each year, the Department of Health and Human Services, they issue poverty guidelines for our country. And this year, 2021, a single person living alone is considered to be under that threshold if they make less than $12,880, almost a little shy of 13000 there throughout the year. Now, for a family of four, and that might be two parents and two children, or maybe a single parent with three children, if they make less than 26500 this year, then they are living in poverty. That's one in 10 people. Remember, one in 10 people fall in that category here in our country, living below this line. But that doesn't even compare to the poverty in some other areas around our globe. Do you know the most impoverished country in the western half of the planet on the western hemisphere? Any idea of the most impoverished country? It's one that's been in the news recently. It's Haiti. It's the western half of the island of Hispaniola in the Caribbean, and that's the island nation that just made the news, national news, international news earlier this month when its president was assassinated. About 10 million people live in Haiti, this country that's been continually devastated by hurricanes and earthquakes, another incident that made international news back in 2010, if you remember the earthquake that just devastated Haiti. Its people have been exploited by corrupt political leaders. And within the metro area of Port-au-Prince, the capital of Haiti, there's this notorious slum that's called Cité Soleil. 
Back in 2012, the UN said that Cité Soleil was the most violent place on earth. That's a quote, the most violent place on earth because of all the gang activity that is there, because of all of the deaths, the killings, the murders, and all the other violent crimes that happen there. It's an area of about three square miles, and it has around 300,000 people living there. And almost all of the houses, almost every single house is just crammed into this space and they're made of cardboard and plastic bags and corrugated tin that are just stacked up to make huts, these little hovels over the dirt, over the mud there. It is, and I mean this literally, it's a garbage dump. If you go and you look up images or video footage of this area, Cité Soleil, it looks awful. It might as well be a, a landfill. They have no public services, no running water, no sewers, no electricity, no public schools, no hospitals. And the unemployment rate, 90%, 90 percent unemployment. And again, they've got those armed gangs that are ruling vast portions of this area. Most of the inhabitants there don't live past early adulthood because of the disease, because of the violence. Now, this is the setting where a priest with the Oblates of St. Francis de Sales, Father Tom Hagen, he started to do work there more than 30 years ago. Father Tom was the chaplain of Princeton University. Princeton, that'd be a pretty nice job, right? But after a trip to Haiti in 1985, he knew that he wanted to start helping the poor, living down there in those horrible conditions in Cité Soleil. Since beginning his work there, Father Tom, over the last three decades, he's helped to establish nine school campuses serving over 4,800 students. The schools are all free, and every child that attends school there, they receive a hot meal of rice and beans. And for most of the children, that's the only thing that they'll be able to eat all day. Father Tom, he's also helped to start a free medical clinic, an elderly outreach and housing program, and the work that he's doing there has helped to employ hundreds of the Haitians that are living there, helping them to be able to earn money, to be able to educate themselves. But in spite of all of this good work, Father Tom receives daily threats from the local gangs there. He has staff members that have been murdered, their bodies left at his mission house. He knows that his life could be taken at any moment. Yet he continues to help. He stays there. He gives that assistance in the forms of food, education, health care, and all the other things that he does there for the people living in Cité Soleil. What motivates someone to do this kind of work? I think you probably already know the answer. It's a life-changing encounter with Jesus. It's Christ that makes us want to help our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. After all, God loves every one of us. The Father sent Jesus to be offered on the cross so that every human could have the hope of heaven. And we all are created in the image and likeness of God. Each one of us has dignity and worth, and we're all called to help those around us in need. Now, we might not be called to visit a place like Cité Soleil, but remember what we face here in our own country. Remember that statistic I mentioned at the beginning? We have one in ten people, on average, living in poverty here in our cities, in our own communities. There's plenty of opportunity to help right where you are. So today, here on The Inner Life, we want to talk about charity. We want to talk about how we can help those around us that are in need, whatever their needs are, and helping us to take a look at living out charity, 
of helping those who are living in poverty is one of our regular voices here on The Inner Life, Father Joseph Ilo. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. He's the pastor at Star of the Sea Parish there in San Francisco. And Father Ilo, so glad to have you back here on the program today. And uh, now you've done some different work. You've given retreats to Mother Teresa's Sisters of Charity. So you're, you're familiar with kind of this same work that I mentioned that Father Tom is doing out there in Haiti because, uh, you know, Mother Teresa, her, her sisters are very, very famous for the work that they're doing, helping to care for those who are sick, those who are poor. That's right, Josh. It's good to be back on with you. Actually, I met Father Tom Hagen about six years ago. I was giving a retreat in Port-au-Prince in Haiti, and he came over to the to Mass uh, with the missionaries. We, we con-celebrated that morning, and he told me a little bit about his work. And um, we went down to see the slums in Cité Soleil. It, it's a pretty terribly violent place. We were with four sisters, and Suddenly, uh, we realized we were in the middle of a, a potential firefight. There were four uh, big policemen with machine guns walking in front of us and looking at all the hovels, looking for somebody. So they told us all to get down in case the bullets started flying. So it's a pretty, pretty bad place. I could tell you more stories, but uh, God bless Father Tom Hagen. The sisters have three or four convents there. It's a very difficult place to go. It's, it's hard to get priests to go down there and give retreats. Most of us get sick when we get down there. Oh, yeah. But I was impressed uh, on the on the flight over how many Americans were flying from Miami, through Miami, to do work in Haiti, especially after the earthquake that I think was about 10 years, well, it was 2010, I think, uh, the earthquake. A lot of people go regularly back and forth to Haiti to serve the poor there from this country. You know, as you're talking about that, different Americans who are going there, different missionaries who are are set up and working there, um, is that something where making that trip, I mean, for Father Tom, reading about and listening to his own, you know, story as I was researching and and learning about him, uh, that initial trip that he took in 1985, it made such an impression on him he changed the whole course of where his priestly vocation might have been headed, you know, being the chaplain at Princeton. Some of us might not have the opportunity to be able to take one of those trips. What do you think is the thing that will make an impression on somebody? What, what, what stirs our conscience? What stirs our soul that we would say, okay, this is where I know God wants me to help out more. What, what do you think that initial, that catalyst is for us? Well, it is seeing and touching the poor. And Mother Teresa would say, find the Calcutta where you live. So find the poor, the poorest of the poor where you lived. I, here in San Francisco, we have a lot of street people. They're, it's an unbelievably wealthy city. But it's an unbelievably poor city in many ways, not just materially, but but really spiritually poor in some ways, spiritually rich. But so there's there's both going on. But so, for example, if you live in a city, go down to the street people and, and talk with them. We do that every uh, Sunday afternoon here at the parish. There's a really wonderful group of women and some men, mostly women, 
that prepare about 400 sandwiches and every Sunday afternoon go down to give them out. I've gone with them a few times, and it's so inspiring to speak with the poor. The poor are great people. They they don't have the kind of hang-ups or masks or pretensions that we have that, that have a sufficiency. And so it's just delightful to talk with them. And they're so grateful just to have a, a loving smile or, or a handshake, some kind of conversation. You know, we give them food, we give them blankets and coats, but most of all, we give them just uh, understanding love. So if you're not in a city, most of a lot of people are not in cities, but there's there's definitely some poor section of your uh, domicile, some somewhere close that people just haven't made it. And um, you could visit them. There's, most parishes have some kind of outreach to the poor, St. Vincent de Paul Society, but to touch the poor, to, to, to talk with them, really to be one-on-one with them is life-changing. You know, as we talk about this, Father, the word that we always use is charity. You know, you give to charity. Um, I, I'm giving to a charitable cause. You know, I put my spare change in the Salvation Army red bucket outside the store at Christmas. I'm donating my gently used item uh, to a charitable, you know, uh, place, a St. Vincent de Paul, a Goodwill, something like that. I, I send a donation to Catholic charities to help those without as much. But that word charity, it has more meaning than just simply giving money or giving a handout kind of understanding that a lot of us just culturally might think of first, can you help us have a better understanding of what we really mean every time we use that word charity? Charity comes from the Latin carus, which became carite. Uh, So carus in Latin means dear or valued, like in Italian carissimo, the dear, dear ones. So think of that, that charity means you value the person you're talking to. You, you hold them dear because charity, giving money, of course, is, is important, but it doesn't become real until you have an affection for the people to whom you're giving the money, until you value them, not just as a concept, but as individuals. That's why it's so important. Mother Teresa would say, fine, give us money, but I want you to experience the poor, to, to touch them to give until it hurts, because only by, by hurting, that is by taking on some of the poverty of the poor, you can feel it. It's, it's not real until you feel it and until it hurts. So it, it, you can feel this in your flesh. And that's why fasting, for example, uniting ourselves with those who are hungry by fasting voluntarily or get going without things. And so the missionaries of charity, Mother Teresa called her sisters missionaries of charity to bring charity, to bring dearness and affection to the dark holes of the poor. That's what our Lord asked her to do, go into the darkness, because they don't know me, they don't love me, no one's told them that I even exist. So go and show them by your understanding love that there is a God and he, he loves everyone. So this one-on-one contact is charity. And I'll tell you, it's as close as your family members who are annoying or people at mass that bother you or at work to overcome that initial reluctance and annoyance and spend a little time talking with them, trying to understand them, giving them 
making a joke with them, sharing the humor of life, we begin to value and hold dear the people we converse with. So sometimes an act of charity is simply speaking to somebody that you wouldn't ordinarily speak to. Right. You use the word reluctance. And I was. I also think of comfort. You know, <laughs> we like to be comfortable. Um, it, sometimes it's uh, people like to sit in the same pew at mass. You know, having somebody else who got there early and stole my pew. <laughs> what are you doing in my seat? Um, you know, we want to be in our comfort zone. That reluctance that that we experience of going outside of that comfort zone. Uh, any advice on how somebody might, you know, say, well, okay, this sounds all, you know, good and all, but going out and talking to people I don't know, I'm not an outgoing person, I've got other things that I need to take care of, um, is it really necessary? Can't I just write a check? I mean, you mentioned Mother Teresa, you know, yeah, sure, send your donation, but I want you to experience. How do we get past that reluctance? Well, by doing it. Nothing like just doing it, as Nike would say. So if you feel you can't do it, don't believe that. You can do it with God's grace. So here's a practical suggestion. Say hello in a warm greeting to a perfect stranger every day. It's easy to do if you're in a urban setting, like many of us are, just on the street, in the grocery store, just a smile and a hello to at least one stranger every day. If you are at work, uh, maybe that person is not a stranger, but is a stranger in the sense that you, you don't talk to each other. You, you don't have much in common. But overcome that by, by just smiling. And Mother Teresa would say a smile, one smile, can change a whole day. And it, it, even if you – now she's suffered a darkness. She really took on the poverty of the poor by an extraordinary grace of God, the dark night for 50 years. No one knew it because she smiled. She, she exercised that charity. She didn't want to bring others into the darkness, that sense of abandonment and desolation that she felt. So she smiled. She smiled radiantly. And people just were drawn to Jesus. They, one estimate was 15,000 people a year came to Jesus through Mother Teresa's wow. smile and her work. Yeah. All of us can do that. <laughs> Isn't it amazing the difference one person can make? Uh, you know, 15,000 people a year drawn to Jesus just by smiling, by extending a hand in love. Our spiritual director today, Father Joseph Ilo, priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, and we're talking about living out charity, helping the poor among us. How do you help those in need in your community? What are ways, maybe even simple things, that you've been able to do to give to those who don't have very much? Our studio line is open right now, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, our email address, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. And we're going to talk more about some practical steps that we can take to help the poor among us. Coming up next here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. If you're looking for a little help on your journey of faith, our priests are here for you. Call now, 
1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. Or email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director today, Father Joseph Ilo, a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. And today we're talking about charity and helping the poor among us, helping those who don't have as much as, as we have. And how have you lived that out in your own life? Maybe you had that initial reluctance that Father Ilo was talking about. Uh, not sure if you wanted to get involved, but then you did. What made the difference for you, and how has that impacted your relationship, not only with those that you work with, uh, those that you help in your community, but how has it helped you grow in your relationship with Christ? How have you been able to see Jesus in those that you are helping? Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, and our email address, innerlife at relevantradio.com. And uh, Father... Uh, one of the things that I was looking at before, you know, I want to say thank you to Nick Sentovich and to Jim Shaper, our producers behind the scene here. And uh, Nick had been uh, helping to do some of the, the legwork of the show beforehand, and he brought to my attention in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, there's a section, and even though in the past I've read through every part of the Catechism, I didn't remember there's a section called Love for the Poor. And it begins in paragraph 2443. And as I went and looked in the catechism at that, the thing that initially stood out to me about this section, it's not anything that's contained within it, at least to start with. Rather, it's the fact that it's a subsection for one of the Ten Commandments. The Seventh Commandment, you shall not steal. So if we don't have that love for the poor, if we're not helping those in need, does that mean that we are in a sense that we're guilty of stealing from our fellow man, our fellow woman? Is the, can this be one of those sins of omission? That is what the Catechism indicates, that as St. John Chrysostom said in the 3rd century, if you have two coats, one of them belongs to the poor. In fact, we don't really own anything. Everything's on loan to us. We're stewards of God's gifts. And that's why sharing what we, even from our substance, if somebody has radically nothing and we have just enough to live on, then really we're even called to dip into our substance, as Mother Teresa said, give until it hurts because of the great need of the other person. Now we have to parse out how that looks in real life. How, how much should I give and what of time and money, but... That's the principle, that we have one Father in heaven, we're all children of the one Father, and if one of my brothers or sisters is in great need, I have to do something to help that person if I, if I can. This seems to me one of those areas where pride can so easily get in the way. Um, it, it's so easy to have an attitude of, well, I've, I've worked for this, I've earned this, you know, I've, I've done what I'm supposed to do, and... Why can't they do the same thing? Why can't somebody else, you know, I, I, and I've, I've heard that again and again and again from other people. Well, you know, if they just took a little initiative, if they put their mind to it, they'd be able to make, you know, uh, as much money as I make. What's wrong with that attitude? First of all, 
the church does support the right of private property, but the distinction is between absolute ownership and relative ownership, meaning I have the management, the uh, I own this thing in a sense of managing it and having it and using it, but I don't have the absolute right to use and to own this because of there were some great need. Now, we all know that if there's some great emergency, a policeman can requisition our vehicle to right. get to the scene of a disaster. It's not our car. It's absolutely, it's, it's at the service of the common good. And so the pride comes in where we think, I don't care what other people need. I've worked hard for this. And that's really a, a, a failure to believe in God's providence and his universal fatherhood. So I think the way past that uh, obtuse spirit is to consider that all gifts, everything comes from God. My ability to work, my intelligence, my physical health. And if a person doesn't, another person doesn't have that, I can't absolutely judge that person. I don't know his background, uh, his childhood, his intellectual or physical or emotional strengths and weaknesses. It's just too complex for me to figure out. So in that sense, we can't judge people. We should encourage people to all work hard and accrue wealth or accrue sustenance for themselves. But sometimes that's not possible. We have a lot of, there's a young man that comes to our parish a lot. He's homeless. He's young. He could work. Uh, you know, I've talked with him. I said, Michael, there's a lot, there are jobs here in San Francisco. And he says, at one time he said, you don't, I'm trying to get a job, but I've been on cocaine since I've been a kid because that's how I was raised. And I thought to myself, I was not raised in an addictive household. And I would have known that if you see someone on the street, you, you just don't know what their past is or, or even their present. So there's a prudence necessary here. Number one, we don't own things absolutely. Number two, we don't know people absolutely. And so given the benefit of the doubt on both those issues, we should be ready to help others with our, even our substance and certainly with our surplus. Well, and another thing that comes to my mind in helping somebody in maybe a different way, and, and this is one of the things I wanted to talk about here too, you know, even if we don't, you, you, you talked about we have, to, we have to find that balance of we need to take care of ourselves, we need to take care of if we have a family, those who are entrusted to us as well, um, but being able to say I can do other things that might be able to help, and especially for my wife and I when we were young and didn't have very much, volunteering our time was by far more realistic for us in a way that we could do things to help out, whether at our church, whether in our community, um, rather than make a financial contribution. Uh, one of the things that I remember my mother-in-law has done for years is helped with a literacy organization, people who don't know how to read or just barely know how to read, helping them so that they can be able to progress and, you know, move forward so that they can get a better job, so that they can have that opportunity to take care of themselves. Um, kind of the, 
you know, rather than give a man a fish, teach a man to fish uh, kind of attitude. And, and so looking for those opportunities there, uh, it doesn't mean that everybody has to do the exact same work. We all can look for the different areas, the ways that God has gifted us, that he's given us the ability to help in different ways. And for some of us, it might be interacting with people uh, down on the street. For others, it might be sitting in a room in the library and helping somebody learn how to read a book. That's right. God gives us two kinds of gifts, one time and things, you know, material possessions. And I'm sorry, he gives us two things. First, money and other material possessions. Second, he gives us time. And both of those, we are called to give a tithe of both of those. That is some of our time and some of our wealth, material wealth, to other people. And that's where tithing comes in. You say, well, how, you know, we're not in a position to give a lot of financial, but everybody can give some financial gift to charity, to the church or other charitable organizations. A a 10% is the way we know it's a goal to work towards because we have 90% left. And, but it's, it saves us from being selfish, prideful, uh, self-independent. It's that constant realization. If we give 10% of our time back and 10% of our finances back, then we know we're not completely selfish. It, it just, it, it keeps us uh, healthy spiritually and emotionally. You also mentioned that when you encounter somebody and they might not have had, I mean, very likely didn't have necessarily the same circumstances as you. You mentioned the young man being addicted to cocaine from early on in his life and growing up that way, you know, that we shouldn't be the ones judging. The the one who will judge is God. And when I think of helping those in need, that's the, that's the part in the Bible that comes to my mind is that parable of the sheep and the goats in the 25th chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel where Jesus, it says, when he comes at the end of time, he'll separate the nations before him as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And the ones on his right, the sheep, they're the ones who, when somebody was hungry— they, the, the, the person that, that he's addressing, that sheep, they fed them. When they were thirsty, gave them drink. When they were naked, gave them clothing, uh, took care of them when they're sick, visited them in prison, and so on. And the ones that are the goats, they didn't do this. You didn't do it. And Jesus says, you did these things to me, or you didn't do these things to me. That's one of those things that Mother Teresa was also very big on. That's right. Matthew 25 is one of her favorite verses. And she would do the gospel on five fingers. So she would take your hand and open your fingers. You did it to me on those five fingers. That's the gospel, she said. Anything you did or didn't do to anybody else, you did to Jesus himself. You love Jesus, then love especially the poor. It's a very simple gospel. But I was also going to say, sorry about um, my friend here in the parish, uh, Michael, Who's who was on cocaine from his his childhood, but well, uh, teenagehood, I guess. But we have to be prudent because he he would just uh, you have to teach him how to fish. That's what he really wants. Because if I just kept giving him money and taking him down to Target and buying him clothes, 
at some point I, I did that. And then I said, you know, he wanted to do it two months later. I said, Michael, no, um, I give him some money, but then I say no, or he, and he wants to work. We don't have much work. You know, we, you have to be insured to be a maintenance man, things like that. He's not able to do that. So there always has to be wisdom and prudence here, not just throwing money at people, but there are times to give them money and there are times not to give them money. Right. Well, and that's always, you know, my, uh, my mom actually at her church, you know, I, I, Father, you know that I'm a convert to the faith and grew up Baptist mm-hmm. in the Baptist church that uh, she was at for uh, oh, probably about 30 years. Uh, she ended up helping to start a food bank. And that was mm-hmm. one of her ways of reaching out to the community and helping. And, you know, the, it, it was really amazing how that grew and grew. And I had told her, I said, you know, of all the things I've seen you do in your life, I think this is probably the one that has the most lasting uh, benefit for reaching those out there. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it it helped to where some of the people came in. They may not have had any exposure to the Christian message and thereby, you know, just having – they didn't they didn't require any sort of proof that you needed you know assistance it was just if you showed up you're welcome to you know here's what we have and um there's another food bank that uh, in a different community i used to live in i remember they would serve tens of thousands of families each week and they would rather than it being just something where the the person walked in and it was, here's a box, and here's the food, and, you know, good luck with it. They were actually allowed to go through kind of almost like they were shopping. And here, you know, you're allowed mm-hmm. to take one or two items here, one or two items here. And that way it was things that they would actually use. And that food bank actually encouraged the people who would come to be able to have the food that they would come back, come back and volunteer, come help, you know, sweep the floors or stock the fridges or, you know, put the cans on the shelves, uh, help out around here. And that right there added so much dignity to what was mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. rather than it just being this charitable handout. It was, let's give you some purpose to what you're doing. And, you know, I, I, I know that speaking with the director there, he said it did help people to be more motivated to go out and then, like you say, take that next step, you know, go and see if they can get a job interview, be able to move up to that next level where they don't necessarily need that assistance. That's right. Some put it like this. Uh, the poor want a hand up, not a handout. They just want a little help getting back on their feet. They don't want to stay on the ground. Our spiritual director today is Father Joseph Ilo. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. We're talking about how we can live out that virtue of charity, helping those in need in our own communities. How do you help those in need in your community? What are the ways that you've been able to give to those who don't have very much? And how has that impacted you? Was it something that was tough at first? Was it something that... Uh, you had to get comfortable with the idea of going and helping those in need. Is it something that maybe you've taken your kids to help and it's made an impact on them? Maybe it's something that you're not sure where you should start and you have questions about it. That's why our spiritual director is here. Our studio line, 888-914-9149, Our email address, innerlife at relevantradio.com. More to come right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 
Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Joseph Ilo. Today we're talking about living out charity, helping those less fortunate than ourselves, those who are in need among us. And how do you live that out in your line, or in your life? Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. If you missed any part of the conversation earlier, of course, I always encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast of this program. It'll be posted shortly after we're off the air. Uh, you can find that at RelevantRadio.com. You can find it on the Relevant Radio app. Another thing that you can find there on either our website, RelevantRadio.com, or on the Relevant Radio Radio app is that we're offering for anyone who signs up for it a book called Treasures of the Rosary Reflections by Those Who Pray It Daily. We're offering this book absolutely free to anyone who registers at our website or on the app. And in this book, there are reflections on the rosary, meditations by St. John Paul II, by St. Jose Maria Escriva, as well as our own executive director here at Relevant Radio, Father Rocky. And Father Rocky was actually on uh, the show last week talking about the rosary and giving a little bit of insight into what might be in this book. But uh, no matter what your connection is to the rosary, If you pray it daily, maybe you don't pray it very often at all, but whatever it is, you're going to gain a deeper understanding and devotion to Mary through reading this book. And so, again, it's absolutely free. There's no shipping. There's no postage. uh, But it is only available for a limited time. So I would encourage you, go and just click on the banner there. Either on the website you'll see it or the banner at the top of the Relevant Radio app. Again, the website, relevantradio.com. And I want to encourage you, register, but only register yourself, okay? Uh, I know sometimes you get excited and I say, oh, I want my kid to have this. I want my son or my daughter to read this. Or, uh, you know, the neighbor next door, they really should read this book. No, let them sign up for themselves. Uh, Just once one registration per household, please, just to make sure there's enough of these books for everybody who does sign up. Uh, Going back uh, to our conversation on charity, talking about helping the poor among us. Uh, Father, you know, as we've been talking here, one of the things that I wanted to go back to was with Mother Teresa. And as she was helping the poor, you talked about her, you know, saying, going into the darkness and being able to help those there just with that smile. Uh, One of the things that I've said many times on this program, I I never want to just take it for granted. I always want to point out, if we're doing this by our own steam, trying to do it on our own, it's probably going to falter at some point. There has to be the reliance on the Holy Spirit. There has to be that time spent in prayer before going out and helping those in need. It's not that we can't do it. I mean, there are plenty of secular organizations that are not necessarily faith-based ones that help in communities. But that time spent in prayer, that time relying on the Holy Spirit to help us, that's foundational to what we're doing. That's right, Josh. But now before I address that question, I'd like to mentioned that charity begins at home and 
My mother is 89 years old today, so I want to shout out, happy birthday, Mom, <laughs> listening to us here in Pennsylvania. Uh, she's the one that taught me how to pray the rosary, so I'm grateful. And I think uh, and she and Dad, Dad's 95. They're going to be married uh, 68 years oh, next man. Monday. Wow. So uh, God bless my parents. And uh, love for parents, charity for parents, really is where it all begins. So are, are you going to sing happy ex- birthday on the air tour? Well, no. <laughs> okay. I think I'll spare you that. But uh, but back to the question. So Mother Teresa, another mother to me and to a lot of us, really did rely on grace. She left. I mean, the Lord asked her to, in a locution in 1946, on a train ride up to uh, Darjeeling for her retreat, she heard the Lord saying, leave your uh, comfortable and secure life as a school principal, member of this religious order of the Loretto sisters, and go into the streets. Live, uh, live in the streets as a poor person. And she said the first few weeks were just terrible. She was so lonely, uh, living alone in an apartment, walking the streets. She said it was so tired. And she began to understand the the terrible trauma of the poor. So she desperately relied on grace. And then everything started to blossom. Girls were coming to her. The community developed. For about a year and a half, things were bright and sunny. And then crash. She went into this dark night for the next 50 years and really relied even more. So what did she do before she went out to the poor? She did a holy hour. The sisters would do a holy hour from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m., then mass at 6 a.m. and other prayers. And then they'd say, the sisters to this day get together just before going out to pray to Our Lady, to walk with them. They, They sing that song in Spanish in a lot of places. Be with us, walk with us, Mary, on the way. Because without grace, John Paul II pointed out in his in his uh, document in the year 2001, the blueprint for the new millennium, the document is called Novo Inuente, Novo Millennio Inuente. The primacy of grace, to forget that it is all God's work, is, is lethal. It is fatal to charity, to the mission of the church. It begins and ends in prayer and grace. So never try to do this on your own. We will certainly fail. As, as, again, Mother Teresa would say, we're not social workers. Social workers are great, but we are not social workers. We are Roman Catholic nuns, and we depend entirely on the, on the grace and mercy of God. Father, let's go to the phones. We've got Shelley, who is listening to us in East Texas. Hi, Shelley. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm really enjoying your show. It's actually the first time I've listened to, to this at this hour, but... Um, I used to be real selfish, materialistic person, and I just found that wasn't working out for me. I was miserable, and um, I am Catholic. And I prayed about this, and I made a New Year's resolution to give away something every day. So for the last four years, I've been doing that, whether it be a, a, my time or uh, an item or a little bit of spare change or food. And I just thought it might be something to suggest to people, and also I'm, I've taken a vow of poverty. I live on $10,000 a year so that I can give more. I, I don't want to brag about myself because it's not me, it's Jesus. 
So um, I guess that's all I got to say. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you, Shelly. That's that's really beautiful. It, okay, so two things. One, you give something away every day. Perfect. Every day, we we give a little bit back of what God is because every day we we receive so much. And the second thing is living. You say voluntary poverty. The uh, Catechism twenty four forty five, as uh, Josh was pointing out in that section of the Catechism, love for the poor. The Catechism says love for the poor is incompatible with immoderate love of riches or their selfish use. So almost everybody in this country has a surplus. And to be able to shave that off, to live simply, is a love for Jesus and a love for the poor. So so good work, Shelley. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Shelley, it reminds me of something that a pastor at a, a parish I used to attend, um, he had said, and he's retired now, but he made the comment one time, and it really stuck with me. He said, you know, give away one thing every day, and at the end of a year, mm-hmm. you'll still have more than you started with <laughs> at the beginning of that mm-hmm. year. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's something that uh, I, I don't think we've, in our family, given away one thing every day, but we've tried to live that out kind of, you know, there's always a bag of, you know, donations going to uh, St. Vincent de Paul or, you know, some other um, community store that helps, uh, you know, women in need in our community, uh, transitional need. Um, We have tried to help just people in our parish that we know might need a little bit of, you know, that extra whatever it is. And, uh, you know, anytime that we've done that, we never hurt, you know. There, there's never a time where we've said, "Oh, you know, we gave too much. What are we going to do now?" Um, I mean, I suppose there is a point where you could give too much, but uh, you know, most of us probably aren't giving enough. That's another thing that we could talk about there. The widows might, you know, Jesus makes the the comment there of all the people that are coming in and they're making their donations as they're walking into the synagogue, and there's the old widow. And she comes, puts in the single coin, and Jesus points it out to his followers saying, you know, everybody else gave out of their surplus. That's what you were just talking about, Father. Everybody's giving out of their surplus. She gave out of her poverty. And sometimes we can be put to shame by those who have so little, yet they give more, at least from a um, percentage standpoint, than we do in our lives. Yes, one of the... Uh, one of my parishioners, she cooks every day for the poor. She she spearheads this uh, Sunday trip down to the Tenderloin slum area in San Francisco. And she's just given up her work. All she does, she drives for Uber to pay the bills, but as little as she can because she wants to spend, and she's so happy. She spends most of her time uh, serving the poor and praying. She spends a lot of time in our adoration chapel. But there are these people, these these widows, so to speak, these spiritual widows, who are really espoused to the po- the poor Christ. Now, I think that's a bit exceptional. I mean, most of us, as you say, are called to family life. We have to support our our businesses, our families. But there are these people that are called to that, and they're they're a real witness to the rest of us. I'm going to go back to one other thing that our executive director here says, and a lot of times he'll say it in regards to making a financial contribution to support relevant radio. Uh, But 
he also will say it, I think, in regards to anything where you're giving charitably. He, you know, you, you've, I think you even made the comment, give until it hurts. You know, that, that's a, a phrase that we've heard again and again. But our executive director says, give until you smile. And you mentioned this woman <laughs> who, you know, she is so happy just doing the Uber driving just to pay whatever she needs to pay. But I'm, I'm going to guess that it's not just happiness, that it's probably a deep abiding joy that she has because of being so united with Christ, with the Holy Spirit, with the Father, and being able to share that love that she has for God with her fellow humans that are are in need. That's right. Giving until it hurts and giving until you smile are really the same thing because hurting in Christ is not incompatible with, with smiling. Smiling is an, uh, a reflection of the joy within you. So as I say, Mother Teresa was really hurting for 50 years, but she smiled the whole time because she knew that God was with her, even though she didn't feel it, but she knew it in her faith. And, and that gave her this abiding joy that nothing could shake. Father, we're down to just our last couple of minutes here. If there's one thing that somebody should take away from this hour, we've covered a lot of different territory. We've talked about some practical ways that we can help those in need in our own communities. If there's one thing that you wanted somebody to take away from this hour, what would it be? It is better to give than to receive. And in giving, we receive. The very act of giving is that God will not be outdone in generosity. So, He's the pr- provider of all gifts. So I think keep that in mind and, and believe it more and more each day that it is in giving that we receive. We receive from God. You give something, God will bless you 10 times over. Mm. Not in money necessarily, but in uh, in grace, in, in joy, etc. Our spiritual director today, Father Joseph Ilo, a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. And, Father, in our remaining uh, about 45 seconds here, could I ask you to offer a blessing as we conclude the show today for all of our listeners? May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father of the poor, through his Son, Jesus Christ, the poor man of Nazareth, and through the, and the unity of the Holy Spirit, bless all of us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Joseph Ilo, thank you so much for being our spiritual director here on the program today. Of course, as I mentioned earlier, go back and listen to the podcast if you missed any part of the earlier conversation. And again, when you're at the website or when you're on the Relevant Radio app, make sure you sign up for that free book that we're offering, Treasures of the Rosary, Reflections by Those Who Pray It Daily. Absolutely free when you sign up on the website, RelevantRadio.com or the Relevant Radio app. Stay tuned with Relevant Radio. Father Daniel Schuster is the celebrant for Mass today. And we've got coming up tomorrow on the program, Father Sam Martin. We're going to talk about understanding our identity as sons and daughters of God. That's tomorrow here on The Inner Life. Have a wonderful and blessed afternoon.